In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a wonderful new year. I hope the day is beautiful and I hope the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and the wind is at your back. I got an incredible show for you today with the one and only Reverend Dr. Jessica Rochester. She is the Madrina and President of Sioux de Montreal, a Santo Daime ayahuasca church she founded in 1997 in Montreal, Canada. She's a transpersonal counselor. She trained in the work of Dr. Roberto Asagioli and trained with Dr. Stanislav Groff. She worked with Health Canada from 2000 until 2017 to achieve an Section 56 exemption to import and serve the Santo Daime Sacrament. She's an ordained interfaith minister with a doctorate in divinity. From 1986 to 2018, she has been a workshop leader, a teacher, and in private practice. She's the author of two incredible guidebooks that will change the way in which you have a relationship with reality. They are called The uh, Ayahuasca Awakening, A Guide to Self-Discovery, Self-Mastery, and Self-Care, Volumes 1 and 2. She continues to lecture on consciousness, non-ordinary states of consciousness, self-discovery, spiritual development, health and well-being, and personal transformation. Dr. Jessica, thank you for being here today. I hope your new year is going beautiful. How are you? Well, you know, thank you for all your good wishes and all the same back to you. It's always a privilege and a, and a pleasure to certainly be here. And if you haven't noticed, if I start laughing when you do the introduction, it's for a few reasons. First of all, it's Rochester. I always forget to correct you. Okay. You've given me an Americanization of a very old <laughs> British name, which is just fine. So it's Rochester. And... Um, so that's why I start laughing halfway through the introduction. And, um, and and I just want to say in case there's new listeners or would will be if people listen on all the other sure. channels that you make these, um, not just yours and mine, but all these wonderful podcasts that you create with such a wide variety of topics and expertise. And I just want to acknowledge that <clears throat> to you and to the listeners. 
But, you know, a lot of people uh, who might be listening or might listen in the future might think, oh, well, she's the Madrina of the Santa Dani Church and la la la. And there's all this big conversation going on right now about anthogen churches and different positions being taken by different people everywhere from the government down to practitioners. And I just want to say one thing that some people probably you know about me. I was 14 years in my apprenticeship. And, you know, it's just, that's the reality. I was 14 years under the mentoring and the guidance and in the educational apprenticeship process. And, oh, there's the cat. Oh, the cat joins us. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I'm having, you know, I'm having an interesting kind of conversation at various levels about um, people who are just, you know, very enthusiastic about working with sacred plants and the agents or psychedelics and who kind of want to jumpstart um, without the mentoring, without the apprenticeship, without the, you know, you and I have wandered around in that conversation a number of times. And isn't it interesting how that conversation keeps developing? And, and it will be so interesting as time unfolds uh, to see if Indigenous voices and the wisdom that's been, you know, accumulated over perhaps millennia, and, and certainly in, in the Santo Daini, it's, it's 100 years since Maestri started the tradition, and its roots are in the millennial practice of the Uaskiris. And so um, some of us uh, get a little alarmed at what we see, and a little concerned, and have questions. And questions that we feel need to be asked, and hopefully that you know the conversation will develop in a respectful and not get polarized. Mm. Not get polarized because that's one of the issues. Now I know that's not what we're going to be talking about today, but I just thought I might just put that out there. And mm. I think today, first of all, I want to say thank you because I think we're at an anniversary. We've been doing this for a year, once a month for about a year, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Happy anniversary. Yes, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> we began a journey of talking about self-discovery, and um, which has been, you know, um, a, a large part of my own personal journey and became part of my private practice and became part of the work that I do simply because in trying to find myself and understand myself, um, others started, I, I just started naturally integrating what I was learning and what I was learning from elders, what I was learning from academia, what I was learning from science, um, from colleagues, what my clients were teaching me, what spirit was showing me. You know, it's never just, can't just be one thing. It can't just be in this kind of work. It can't just be only academic. You need the experiential. Can't only be experiential. You do need some academics, you know. Can't only be the science. It needs to be the spirituality. And those of us who've been on the path a long time know that and respect that and, and have great respect for the bridges that can be built between science and spirituality. And that's another conversation that's happening, yeah. you know, where people are taking positions on things and hopefully won't polarize, you know. <clears throat> Opinions are always good, but we can't take them too seriously. They are just opinions, right? Right. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start talking today about the circle of wholeness. What is the circle of wholeness? 
Okay, in my, in my books, we began way back when with, you know, about a year ago, talking about self-awareness. And then, you know, we, we were talking about that self-discovery and who am I and why am I here? And what is life about? And what's reality about? And what are all the things and factors that influence me? Is it just genetics? Is it how mom and dad treated me and family? No, it's larger than that. It's in the environment and it's a culture. Okay, what else is it? Well, maybe astrology plays some small but significant role in, in the archetypal influences in our life. And, and maybe, you know, ancestral practices and wisdom and also the bad stuff on the ancestral stuff can dribble down in too, you know. And who was it who said that they were, they were, Amazed and distressed, find out that a lot of the baggage they were carrying around turned out not to even be theirs. Okay, but it was Uncle Harry's and Grandma Sally's, and you know they were carrying around energetically other people's beliefs and opinions and thoughts and and emotions and energies and stuff like that. So who am I? Why am I here? How do I master myself? Because certainly self-discovery isn't isn't me discovering you. It's me understanding myself. So that I actually relate to you in a way that that is healing, healthy, and hopeful for both of us, and hopefully for all of our connections, you know. And then, um, then the practices fulfilled, you know, the foundation of, of these things, which is self-awareness, self-love, self-respect, and self-responsibility. Without those four things, take any one of them away, it's not so good. Okay. I mean, I just boiled it all down to those four things. With those four things in place, I'll say them again. Self-awareness. Self-love. I don't love myself. It's really hard to love you. Sorry. Any Anything that looks like that I have love for you is really probably codependency or pleasing or, or, or up to you to get something, manipulation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the, our ability to love others is greatly dependent on our ability to experience love truly in our own heart for ourselves and for nature and for the environment and for the divine and community and all these important things and self-respect if we don't respect ourselves and others won't respect us and you know that's a vicious cycle right, right. self-responsibility don't take responsibility for yourself words actions well try blaming your next door neighbor for something you did <laughs> See how well that goes over. <laughs> you know, try try that in a marriage, okay? It's your fault I did this. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. It's your fault I said this. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know, I may have added a little gasoline to the fire. Yeah, the fire was burning. <laughs> okay. And um, and so now we're going into you know we went through talking about self-care and all those different aspects. And then we're talking about something called the circle of wholeness. For those of you who have not read my books, you'll find it in part two, volume two. And what is the circle of wholeness? This little diagram, which I can hold up. Yeah. I have to it open. Tell me when I'm holding it straight. That's perfect. Right there. Right, right there? Yes, that's perfect. Okay. So everyone can have a little look, all the mm -hmm. different categories. Good, I can take it down now? Yes, yep. Perfect, okay. We begin with nature. You know, this, this little diagram developed, oh God, 35 years ago now, I think, as I realized that people just did not have a good understanding of, of 
you know, how to get well and how to be well. And that it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm still amazed how many people are going through life looking for the magic fix, the magic pill, the person with the magic wand. You know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. There's some magical person that's going to come along that's going to have the right answer, the right pill, the right fix, the right something. Now, I am not at all discounting all of the wonderful professionals out there who have great experience, great training, great tools, whether it's body workers or physiotherapists or medical doctors or, or psychologists or whoever, and who really sincerely bring good effort into their practices and do a lot to help people. But that's not the only thing that brings wellness. We ultimately, we have to, it can set us on the right track. It can even, those tools and people can help us stay on the right track, you know. But if it's not inside of us, it's not going to work. Okay, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to work. Okay, so we start with nature. Why do we start with nature? Well, because we are nature. We're connected to nature. That it's not possible to be separated from nature, and yet we are. We are profoundly separated in our thinking from nature. Oh, we may watch, you know, on small a addiction to david attenborough programs i'll watch all of them okay i'll re-watch them okay didn't matter i saw that one two years ago i'll still watch the whole series all over again it's so beautifully done teaches us so much okay but that's learning secondhand it's important knowledge and it's good knowledge so how do we get out in nature and what do we understand about that so i want to I want it, everybody knows Carl Sagan. I'm going to read from, you know, uh, the American physicist. Um, he did a, a an updated version of Cosmos, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and it was excellently done. Okay, but he can't touch Carl Sagan. Our lives, our past, and our future are tied to the sun, the moon, and the stars. We humans have seen the atoms which constitute all of nature and the forces that sculpted this world. And we, who embody the local eyes and ears and thoughts and feelings of the cosmos, have begun to wonder about our origins. Star stuff, contemplating the stars, organized collections of 10 billion, billion atoms, contemplating the evolution of nature, Tracing that long path by which it arrived at consciousness here on planet Earth. Our loyalties are to the species and to the planet. Our obligation to survive and flourish is owed not just to ourselves, but also to that cosmos ancient and vast from which we spring. We are one species. We are star stuff harvesting starlight isn't that beautiful it really is yeah yeah so i'm going to quote now from supernature lyle watson one of the most brilliant um you know uh, biologists from the last century everything is indeed connected to everything else in the best traditions of ecology but it goes further than that Everything is everything else. <laughs> okay, so now we're kind of digging around close to the heart of a great mystery. Everything is everything else. So this 
wonderful connection that we have with ourselves and our nature, we're only starting to understand the, the, our own microorganism. Okay, modern science and, and microbiologists are starting to answer some questions that we just didn't know before, right? We just didn't know. We've been fascinated by it, and now it's even more fascinating. This whole inner ecology that we call our human body. You know, who was it who jokingly said that maybe we're not actually the human species? What we are is we are kind of um, habitations for bacteria, and they're actually running a show. <laughs> the pound right. for pound, the, you know, bacteria is the heaviest part of our entire being, you know. And I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of enzymes. Well, what are enzymes again? They're also all part of that living biomass that we call ourselves. And here we are all in our head with our thinking and our thoughts and thinking that we're the pinnacle of all experience and all knowledge and all consciousness and everything else. And we don't even understand ourselves. And so where we have to start is with this deep understanding that we have a human body that is connected to everything. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, everything is vibrating in us and through us. Yes, you still on the big page? Yeah, okay. I'm taking it all in. Yeah, taking it all in. Mm -hmm. So, and then what's this human body? Okay, now we're willing to accept that the human body is part of a much larger cosmic stuff. We do have star stuff. You know, our bones in our bones is phosphorus, which is part of the origins when stars are made. All of these, all of these components, what we call our body, you know, and then when our when we're finished with our body and our soul leaves, then you know, body breaks back down into its single components, right? And that's the same way a leaf falls from a tree and it falls into its single components and the earth and the creatures of the earth help that whole process happen. It's the same with the human body. When we're done with it, then it returns to, you know, the calcium and the phosphorus and the iron and all of that stuff we've got going inside of us, the, the gaseous substances, the oxygen, the nitrogen and everything else that goes back into the atmosphere, the minerals and all that stuff goes back into the earth. It all goes back into this, just like leaves falling off the tree in the fall. And so when we understand how complicated but how deeply simple it is, that everything is in this process of connection and regeneration and, and being born and dying and coming into fruition and then fading away and and how do we come to terms then? So our body and the environment is in a constant and continual dance. We take a breath, courtesy of planet Earth and all the trees on it and the oceans and you know, everything is all in working together and it is only our activity that interrupts it, right? We can agree it's human activity. It's not the dolphins doing it, or the bees, or the eagles, the ants, okay? None of them are doing it. They were here long before we were. They weren't doing what we are doing. And so how do we realize that whatever we're doing on the outside 
and whatever do, we're doing on the inside is actually not outside and inside. Does that make sense what I just said? It does, but it brings <laughs> up an, an interesting question in that, like, if if we are part of this stardust, this incredible symphony that plays out through our body and our actions, where do we start bumping up against what's right and what's wrong? Maybe, you know, how do we know it's such a great symphony? You know, maybe someone's just playing a solo act or maybe, you know, is there any out of tune singing if this whole thing is a symphony? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I knew it. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and that's the dark side of the human nature that we all have to come to terms with. Mm. And do you want to talk about that for a few minutes, or should we? Yeah, let's take yeah. Let's, let's let's take a quick little little trip yeah. down this side trail because I think okay, people listening trail. to this a side trail into you know people get a little shocked when I say that I believe that the human species is not a very nice species. It's we. I can't talk about it like it. We. <laughs> okay, we are a aggressive, greedy, selfish species. And some of that is hardwired. All you have to do is watch lions, how they behave, or, you know, nesting birds, okay? You have a, we, met, we used to have in our house, our former house, we, we had robins that would nest on our deck. You couldn't go on our deck while they were nesting, you know? The daddy and mommy would dive bomb you. <laughs> so I was like, get away from my nest. Yeah. So the part of it is, you know, this territorialism and this ownership and possession of this is my mate, this is my nest, these are my eggs, this is my food source, you know, and the big cats go and scratch and the bears scratch and rub on the trees and the rocks and mark out their territory and all the different ways that creatures do that. And humans do the same thing. We do our version of it, you know, and, 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 and yet, we don't have the level of cooperation that you will see. Some humans cooperate and work well together and work, whether it's for the environment or whether it's for the community or whether it's for the family, but they work well together because they understand, hey, we're all in this together, right? And yeah. other people are like rogue solo individuals who think I can just walk around and take whatever I want, you know? And, and, and so, yes, we see greed and aggressivity and greed for power, for money, for what have you. And uh, so we see uh, this in, in human behavior and human activity. And we see this tremendous lack of self-responsibility, uh, whether it's on an individual level or whether it's on a corporate level. You know, mm -hmm. uh, corporate social responsibility, making sure that the products and the services that you're offering, especially the products, you know, are sustainable, are respecting the earth and nature and the sustainability of, of nature, whether it's the purity of the water, the air, you know, how things are being harvested and used. You know, how do we hold companies responsible? Who's responsible for all the plastic that's in the ocean? Is it the manufacturers? Is it the people who invented it? Is it industry? Is it the people who just litter? Is it governments who don't um, put proper recycling or repurposing or limits on these things? Who's responsible? Everybody goes like this. And then once mm -hmm. the government, okay, once the government, and the government ends up or people end up having to try and take industry to court 
to try mm-hmm. and clean up. You know, it's like this enormous lack of responsibility, which is a lack of respect, which is a lack of love, which is a mm-hmm. lack of awareness. You know, we're always going to take a turn around those four things. If we loved the earth, we would respect it. If we were aware of how connected we are to each other and to nature and to our planet, we would be taking much better care of it. What indigenous teaching have been trying to teach us over and over again, you pollute it, you're killing yourself. Mm. And so right now, all of us are walking around with microplastics in our brain. It's in the ocean, it's in the waters, it's everywhere. All the chemicals that get dumped, you know, it's in us, it's in the fish. They find it in the glaciers in the most remote part of the world. And it's in us. Well, guess what? That's because we're all one. And if you're not if you're not gonna pay attention to that. And so yes, the, the dark side, the difficult side of of the human species and our nature. And if we don't own that and say, wow, okay, I need to look and see where am I being selfish? Where am I being greedy? Where am I being territorial and aggressive? Is it appropriate? If I'm protecting my children from an outside threat, then yes, then's the time to step up, you know, speak up and do something appropriate about it. Right. So there's, there's a healthy use of some of these let's call them instincts that are connected to survival but if they just get distorted into selfishness and greed then that ends up affecting everybody you know, how's it possible that there's people that have billions upon billions upon billions of dollars and there is no trickle down anybody who's still <laughs> trickle down economics needs to take a pressure course in economics okay agreed everybody Politics, okay, trickle down economics, really? Okay, well, look, I paid my pool boy and my housemaid, you know. Mm-hmm. So, no, nah, not working, not flying. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, that's the reality is is that that part of us, that part of human nature, of human nature, that we all have some of it. It's not like those people have it. You and I, George, we don't have any, any of that, right? Ha, ha, ha. Right. No, we have it. Hopefully, right. we're aware of it. Hopefully, we're trying to master it. Hopefully, we're trying to manage it. So it doesn't make our decisions for us and our choices for us. So we're in this. Did you want to talk more about that? Well, no, I, I just I think it's a beautiful way to equate self, self-mastery, self-awareness. And we start talking about... You know, it's, the ideas are in us, you know, the same way we dam up rivers. There's no trickle down from that dam. There's like there's no trickle down from the billions of dollars from walled off gardens of hedge funds or giant platforms and stuff like that. But I, I just wanted the people to understand that self can mean it means so much more. And so I just thought that was a yes. great little side trail for us to go down and catch a nice view from. <laughs> yeah. OK, great. Happy to do that. You know, and, and and again, when we just step back in and see, okay, if I'm just doing me, if I'm taking care of me, if I'm doing this in a responsible, healthy and respectful way, then that eventually should, that's the stuff that does trickle out. It's contagious. If I treat others with respect, because I'm respecting myself and my boundaries, I'm going to respect others and their boundaries. If I believe in being healthy and positive, then I'm going to try and be that way with other people. You know, 
And so, you know, you get, get into a situation and then and what helps the situation more is somebody who stays calm and is peaceful and respectful or someone who has a tantrum and starts yelling and screaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So we're looking at this complex thing. We're all cells and atoms and we're star stuff and we're one with the cosmos and the stars and we're one with all the creatures and you and me and the tree out there. We're all connected. Okay. And and we still have individual bodies that we need to understand and take care of at the same time. Right. And so let, let's keep carrying on. And, and the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is really important. And I happen to notice that somebody had, was it, who was it they were referring to? Humphrey Osman, who, did an experiment. It was in our LinkedIn conversations earlier about time. Now, I want to give a shout out because um, I think Larry Dossie, Dr. Larry Dossie, has done some of the more interesting, um, you know, his opinions and his books on time and his research and everything I think is really, you know, interesting. And also, of course, Lyle Watson. So there's so we need to talk about time to understand, to put that in place, okay? So we think about defining time, and we have clock or calendar time, and that's just something that we invented to keep track of things, because within it, it doesn't exist. In itself. Right. There is no 1.42 p.m. Montreal time on Tuesday, January the 9th. It doesn't exist. In nature, it doesn't exist. Okay? And yet we use it because it makes things, you know, how would you know when to get on your plane or catch a bus or go to your meeting? So it's a convenience that we invented, you know, mm. to manage everyday life and in, in our cultural way of being. Okay. So there's clock time, calendar time. And then there is this other thing, which is, what is it? where time doesn't exist you know if we look at einstein's work and on the space-time continuum it's like it exists it doesn't exist it doesn't exist space and time are there but they aren't there and so we have this extraordinary zen situation in which something that we actually live moment by moment in our experience actually doesn't exist i mean that's kind of funny when you look at it like that right it actually doesn't exist you know, I'm sure you've had experiences. I know I have had experiences. Yeah. I can be sitting in a work and in Santo Dami we call our ceremonies or our rituals works mm -hmm. because they are works. They're not Santo Dami play. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's work. Okay. Yeah. And I can I can I can feel like I've lived three lifetimes. Yeah. And because I'm leading the works, I keep a, my watch beside me just to keep half an eye on it when I need to. And um, and I'll look and five minutes have gone by. Okay. <laughs> like three lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> and and I've tapped into the universal timelessnessness. Okay. And five minutes have passed. Equally, I can go into a meditation and I can think five minutes have passed and an hour has passed. Okay. Now <clears throat> that's that's when we're connecting into that state of consciousness in which what we experience as time is something vastly different, whether we call it eternal time, cosmic time, whatever we're going to call it, okay? It doesn't have a word. 
So let's call it cosmic time. I seem to be the, yeah. the one that people are more or less. So, and then we think about, okay, but if it does seem to have a movement that does seem to influence us, the earth rotates, you know, here we are in our solar system. Our solar system is part of a galaxy that we call the Milky Way galaxy, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so we know that in, our, in the middle of our galaxy, so it's in what we call Sagittarius, okay, I've forgotten the name of it, but anyway, there's an enormous black hole, and well, that's something else we can talk about, black holes in space, mm -hmm. but black holes in people, okay? <laughs> yeah. When a person with a black hole, it feels like anything that you, anytime you approach what they call the rim, okay, you're going to get sucked down into it, okay? That's a whole other conversation. Anyway, so here we are. And right now, George, we are moving. First of all, the earth is rotating. We don't mm -hmm. even feel it because we're so used to it because we are so in tune. Our body is so on the level that we're not aware of. Our body is so in tune and, and kind of genetically programmed to be in tune with that movement. Okay, so the earth is turning. It's also tilting. Okay. <laughs> So yeah. now it's moving already. And our solar system is moving within our galaxy. Our galaxy is moving in, let's call it space time. Okay. So look at all of the ways that you and I sitting here are actually exposed to profound movement. The moon is circling around the Earth, right? It's in rotation around us. Well, and so is the space lab. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it, wrote, it goes around every, what, 96 minutes mm -hmm. or something? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If you have the opportunity, if it comes near you or anybody listening, there's a show that's called, uh, is it called Infinite Space or something? But it is all um, 3D sh shock from the space lab. Mm. So you meet everybody in the space lab and you meet, you, you see what they do all day and then you go on a spacewalk with them. And you, you're putting on virtual reality goggles to do all of this. So it feels like you're on the space lab. And it feels like you're out in space looking down at the earth. Mm. It's spectacular. Mm. So, and you're kind of walking really carefully because it feels like you're float right out of the space. <laughs> so if it comes near you, please go see it. It is totally, totally, totally worth it. Because it removes all of this illusion. Okay, so here we are. All of this is happening. At the same time, that the Earth's tectonic plates are shifting. The Earth currently is making this rumble that we can't hear, grinding rumble that we can't hear because it's below our hearing range. And so let's just take a stop because right now we're talking about nature. This is mm -hmm. the first slice on the circle of wholeness. Okay, so this human body that we experience, what is it? It's actually a filtering system because we can't possibly hear everything that's happening. We go crazy. We can't mm. see everything we see. The, the influx of information would be overwhelming. We would not be able to process anything. And so like every other creature on the planet, whether it's a snake or a bat or a dolphin or anything else, okay, we have a range of hearing in which we can hear down to a certain decibel and up. Now that's kind of individual. Everybody has their own little continuum on that. Then we see in a certain range. 
we can't see past a certain range like we're not like a snake we don't see we don't have we don't see heat mm-hmm. we don't see we don't have x-ray vision okay we don't have any of that we can't see above right scent smell can you imagine if we could see like a hawk here like an elephant and, and smell like a bloodhound yeah. we would be overwhelmed yeah simply overwhelmed no so when we understand that our body is a filtering mechanism it, what it's doing is it's filtering out all of these sight, smell, sound, stimuli, everything that's around us. It's helping us in ways that we don't understand, cope with perpetual motion, the earth turning, tilting, going around the sun. Okay, that's already three different ways that it's moving. And then the solar system's moving within the galaxy and the galaxy's moving within space-time. Okay, and yet we don't even notice it because something inside of our body is measuring all of that and accommodating it. It's measuring the effect of the moon. I mean, if the moon can make the, look what the moon does for the earth, you know, and it makes the tides in the ocean, that affects us. So the more we understand that, oh, wait a minute, my body is part of nature. If I'm respecting my body and I'm respecting nature, well, that's the best I can do. If I understand that these huge forces have an effect on me, but little me can have an effect on how nature is balanced on Earth. I mean, nothing you and I can do is going to take the moon out of its orbit or change the, <laughs> any of that. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, human activity could get going in a really wrong direction, and we could do something that could bugger that up completely. But <clears throat> until then, okay, let's just understand nature and I are one. How can I start loving it and respecting it and thank it? And how do I take care of this, my body? Okay, so now I understand time. I'm, I'm in it. I'm not in it. I'm here. I'm there. Okay, we also understand that around the world, there's all kinds of different, people call them meridians, people call them sacred sites. There's all these different places around the world where you have a greater sense of something. excuse me, where consciousness can change. I've had experiences myself in nature. I think many people have. I've had experiences at sacred sites, you know, and many people have, in which you connect with something, you sense something deep within yourself that's connected Mm -hmm. to something larger than yourself. And whether it's the cosmos or whether it is something ancestral or whether it's part of the human history, being able to tap into the millennial aspect of human experience. Okay, I have a few guidelines for maintaining connections with nature, okay? Find a time every day to be outside. Okay, not in a hurricane, I get that. But I don't want to hear any other excuses. And here in Montreal, not in a nice storm, we also get that. Right. Hello. I'd probably go for a walk, but anyway, you know. So whatever it is, find some way of just getting outside. Some of us, I'm very lucky, I have to get outside every day. If I don't get outside, it means I'm probably in a hospital, just post-surgery or something. That's the only reason I'm not going outside. We need sunlight. Try to expose yourself to sunshine every day, especially those of us who live in these cold northern, you know, I'm in Montreal. Hey, I'm not feeling at all sorry for you down in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not down, but over it. Okay. 
you don't get these long, dark, cold, minus 30 winters, and you know, you don't see the sun. We didn't see the sun for about five weeks. Really wow. December. I know it didn't have one sunny day. And and so when I say get some sunlight, that means go outside and just remember the sun is on the other side of those clouds. A little bit of a filtering through, you know. We need the air, the wind, the sky, the sun, even the rain. I don't mind rain. I know lots of people don't like rain, hate rain, whatever. And there's people who enjoy, they'll go out and rain. They don't mind getting a little damp and wet. And, and so what, you know, trees get wet. They're not complaining. You know, it's, there's something about rain that can be just really refreshing and cleansing. Bring nature into the home. Well, how do we do that? Some people are just not good with plants and that's okay. You don't have to be good with plants to bring nature in the house. Every room in, in my homes that I've had and now in my condo, you know, you're going to find these baskets or, you know, what have you filled with seashells and rocks and feathers and things I've collected mm -hmm. from stones. Everywhere I go, I bring back something. And this is all still part of nature. You can have paintings or images or photographs of nature. It's a way of bringing, you know, when I lie in bed, I, I look at a few things. One is tending me an altar that a lot of you have seen there's a picture of me kind of like this smiling all these uh, that's just a small slice of my main altar in my bedroom but what i'm also looking at is a gorgeous huge photograph of cole weston photograph of big sur california mm -hmm. stormy beautiful big ocean love the ocean so i can say good morning good night to yeah. the ocean, you know and so we find a way of bringing it into our home okay so again Plants, if you're good with them, plant something. If you're not so great with plants, start with something that's really low maintenance, like cactus. As long as they've got light, they don't need, they're not fussy, it's not orchids, okay? You're not having to measure the humidity in your house every day, or, you know? Find some plants that basically are very simple and easy to take care of. So, what else can we do? The workplace? Is very challenging for people. So, how do you bring nature into the workplace? A lot of workplaces discourage uh, personal. You know, they don't want you to tack up pictures and stuff, whether it's your family or your cat or you know something. So, but where you can, where you can, then even you know even something small. If it was me, one seashell would probably do it, or one rock, or one little crystal would would probably do it for me. You know, I have a, a very dear friend and colleague who I won't I won't name, and because I don't want I, I'm respectful of their practice, but does remote healing, and um, and I tease him because I started to tradition on his 75th birthday when he was feeling a little older. I'm going to be 75 next year, or actually this year. And I, so I, for his birthday, I got, gave him this beautiful fossil, okay? So it's like millions of years old, and ammonite fossil. And um, and I said, now you have, when you look at that, you can feel really young, because you have something with millions of years older than you. So I have this thing about giving him. So I, I gave him a beautiful, well, I thought a beautiful piece of jasper. and. And he says he just loves it because he realizes that it helps him ground when he's doing some little healing. So now I send him a piece of labyrinth. And so 
we we can create these connections with you know what we may feel or you know somebody else may feel is silly but once we understand that everything has a vibration we're back to we're all connected so we're connected not just with the trees we're connected the ocean connected with the rocks you know and for people who practice awareness not just self-awareness but awareness okay what you find is that you can create these kind of very beautiful connections with understanding you know what it's like if you look like i'm going to give you a little exercise to do okay you can do it now or you can do it later but you're going to look around this lovely kind of office study that you're in and you're going to look at all the objects in it and you're going to ask them if any of them are ready to go or if they're in the wrong place and you're going to have something unusual happen is they should start talking to you and this is something that people think, oh, God, that's really cuckoo. Okay. <laughs> it's like, actually, no, it's not. Okay. And uh, further along, probably another day, another conversation we might have, um, you know, there's, um, there's people who work with sound. And they know now that everything has a sound vibration to it. It's just because we can't hear it or see it or understand it. We think it doesn't exist. You know, and that's part of the important part of the conversation today is just because we can't see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, what have you, we keep thinking it doesn't exist, right? And science has to prove that it exists. Whereas, you know, other creatures can pretty quickly know that, that there's something about this, you know? So the more we practice awareness, and it's the same with, um, you may not remember we talked about meaning. It was almost a year ago, the meaning that we attach to things. And we attach meanings. And sometimes we have to, we habituate in our situation. And sometimes we have to take a long, quiet, thoughtful look around and say, okay, is there anything here that doesn't feel right anymore? Is it something missing? Is there something I should be changing over and moving around? saying goodbye to, giving away, something they should be able to open up to and receive. And so it's an interesting little exercise to do in your home and work environment. Just every now and again, just look around and say, okay. And you may find, okay, everything's happy and it's all good. Well, wait a minute, that thing, no, I think it's time to move that thing mm -hmm. or put it in a better place. You know, every year, um, well, actually, usually twice a year, I I kind of wash and clean in in a ritual way all my crystals. I have a big huge table of crystals collected from everywhere, and um, the indigenous teaching with crystals is you either rinse them in salt water and dry them in the sun. Um, another way is to do it on 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 the phases of the moon. Some people will say do it on the full moon. Others will say do it on the new moon. Um, other beliefs will tell you you need, because they come from the earth, you need to bury them back into the ground to cleanse them of everything that they need to be cleansed of. Mm -hmm. And then you rinse them off. And so there's all these lovely ways of, of kind of making a relationship with everything that is really part of nature. Nature is not just the animals and and the trees it's a whole bunch of things okay where are we now so i want to talk about all my relations okay 
All My Relations is an Indigenous prayer. It's common to Canadian First Nations here in Canada, I believe it's. And it's something that they will say, All My Relations, at the end of a prayer, at the end of a request. So the First Nations Cree and Métis here in Canada acknowledge the relatedness of all creation. The simple three-word prayer is considered a prayer of all my relations. Encompasses all of that relationship that we have with ourselves, with nature, everything that's here. Where did that take you to? It takes me to how I treat myself as how I treat the people I love around me. And if I'm not fair to myself, then that's going to manifest in the relationships that I have. I, thought, I instantly went right there. Yeah. And so we begin the circle of wholeness with understanding that all my relationship is a reality. That our, that anything I do to me, I'm doing to others. That anything that I, you know, ignore is not going to help me or others. So if I'm ignoring myself, I'm not taking care of myself, then that's going to impact everything. You know, if I'm, I, I'm, I'm increasingly surprised at, you know, the polarity of what is happening between people's consciousness around taking care of the planet and neglecting themselves. I have had, through all the years, I've had clients who are so concerned about the environment and what's happening that they neglect themselves. They will often do it through nutrition. Mm -hmm. They may start by becoming a vegetarian. Oh, well, I can't stand what, what industry is doing to animals. Well, yes, so then you dig around until you find a source that's sustainable and respectful. And but they might start as vegetarians, and then the next thing you know, they want to live on air <laughs> because they've discovered, you know, who was it who said that vegetarians was it Joseph Campbell? Um, the vegetarians are people who eat food that can't run away from them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, right? Yeah. Because yeah. um, when we see consciousness in everything, then consciousness is in everything, you know? So <clears throat> if we find a balance of self-responsibility, we will understand that human bodies do need to breathe, eat, and drink. And that uh, I've explained to people, not eating, explain that to me in simple words so I understand how does that help Mother Earth. Mm. You getting ill, exhausted, not functioning, not nourishing your body, etc. How does that help Mother Earth? I don't get it. You making wise and respectful decisions, yes, that helps. Every good beneficial thing that we do, you buying naturally sourced, wholesome, you're not buying refined and packaged and processed and all that jazz, okay, well, that helps. If everybody stopped eating all that junk, well, they'd stop making it. I don't know how you shop. Do you go in a large supermarket when you shop, grocery shop? Do you go in a small market? Do you go to the weekly you farmer's, know, local market. farmer's yeah. market? Do you go in the equivalent of <laughs> what the big store I have across the street, the RGA 
you know, the massive grocery store, where do you shop? We we do a mix. We'd go to Costco for our our long term items like like laundry soap, or if we do we do a lot of soups in my house. So we'll do get our carrots and vegetables in big bags and then freeze them for like a month and then and then put them in the soups. And then we'll go to the farmers markets on Saturdays and Sundays for some fresh vegetables that we use in daily stuff or some some stuff like that. So I guess we do a kind of a, a mix, a mishmash, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's really common. I mean, here in Montreal, yeah. we have wonderful markets at our market, well, mm -hmm. Chantal market, and then lots of little smaller ones around through the summer. Mm -hmm. But we have markets that go on kind of year round, even in the winter, you can still go inside and you're going to buy locally yeah. sourced and you're not going to get like fresh fruit and vegetables because they're not growing out there. We've got <laughs> snow on the ground and it's minus, it's only right. minus today, so it's not bad. But, you know, you, you can, you know, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be Quebec products, Quebec chicken, mm -hmm. Quebec meat, and our, our farmers here are very respectful and um we have very good farming here in quebec so we're super lucky yeah. but at the same time okay we we can make healthy choices as you say you select this and you select that so when you come home you know you're doing your best for the environment and you're doing the best for the healthy well-being okay mm -hmm. because it's the cell it's this right down in the cell of our bodies the cells of our body the atomic structure of our body that is where everything is getting played out that's where matter needs spirit right mm -hmm. matter needs spirit right down there on that cellular right. level okay at the same time so these are like cellular mysteries and the miracle is is on a genetic level how closely we're linked to everything if we want to look at it that way so we can look at all these different ways that all my relations is still in play you mean the genetic material of humans is like 95 percent the same as um, turtles <laughs> <laughs> so yes mm -hmm. so uh, how are we like the unique wonderful species that we think we are you know, <clears throat> so it can't just be genetics, it can't just be consciousness, because we can't measure other species consciousness. Although biologists and, and <laughs> you know, animal specialists have been trying for a long time to wake us up to, you know, the reality of the experience of other species and to respect it, you know. So here we have these cellular mysteries, okay. Now, do you understand what epigenetics can we talk about deep deep in the body so we can talk about nutrition next time we're on okay because that's a huge topic yeah so bruce lipton um is a cell biologist he works in the field of epigenetics now epigenetics is a wonderful study it is a study of first of all we can look at our genetics is what we inherit from our parents who've inherited from their parents and going all the way back so we have this kind of roulette wheel mm -hmm. of genetic material okay and then we get what we get we get the blue eyes from this side and the type of skin from that side and you know the digestive system mm -hmm. and so i'm from, from grandpa somebody or other and so <clears throat> so i want to quote something that he says from the biology of belief 
when he was talking about understanding the all the energies physical and he was really getting into what epigenetics is and i'll just define it first epigenetics is the study of what happens around the genetics themselves the genes themselves in which different factors can turn on modifier or turn off some of that genes functions now isn't that fascinating we never even knew that was even possible but it is and it's what's happening and so there's professionals who are studying epigenetics to try and understand what factors are playing a role in this okay so he was he's looking at physical and energetic okay including nature nutrition stress emotions how can it influence the behavior of cells and modify genes without changing the basic blueprint the genetic code now isn't that fascinating it is fascinating all of these factors so you know in in more modern science they're starting to understand that your genetics are your genetics but what's going to play a role in the quality of life are the decisions that you make about your wellness mm -hmm. about your lifestyle and so quality of life as much as quantity of life you can increase your quality and quantity of life by making healthy choices you can decrease your genetics don't change but all the factors around them will okay and so I'm going to quote from him. Suddenly I realized that a cell's life is controlled by the physical and energetic environment, not only by its genes. Genes are simply molecular blueprints used in the construction of cells, tissues, and organs. So it's like an architectural blueprint, <clears throat> the same way the architect will draw out. If you've ever had remodeling done or something, you know, when I bought this condo, I had to strip it down to the concrete, okay? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I had all the, you know, the for the kitchen especially, I needed to have an architect draw out what it's going to look like so that they, my contractor could actually get his guys to put it together and do it. They needed the blueprint, okay? But then the blueprint is not the end result. Right. Okay? It's the blueprint, okay? It's the architectural design. Okay, then comes all the materials. And so you have our genetics are the kind of the blueprint. They're the architectural design. Now, the environment serves as a contractor. Isn't this interesting? Mm -hmm. That reads and engages these genetic blueprints and is ultimately responsible for the character of the cell's life. Environment. Mm wow yeah this is dr bruce lipton so a british cell biologist <clears throat> it is a single cell awareness here we are back with the a word mm -hmm. okay of the environment not its genes that sets into motion the mechanism of life Wow. Yeah. That's like the whole thing. It's like, wait a minute, I have my genetics and that's, you know, that's the blueprint for what developed my body from the inter, you know, one cell cycle blast. Okay. <laughs> in my, in my, 
you know, mother's uterus. And, and that blueprint, something, what took that blueprint and created my human body? Okay. Okay. Well, that's still part of the great mystery. We haven't figured that one out fully. I mean, we can see it happening. It's like it's like watching the wind, watching gravity. We see it. Mm-hmm. We see the results of it. We don't really understand it, right? Right. Okay. So here he says, you may consider yourself an individual, but as a cell biologist, I can tell you that you are in truth a cooperative community of approximately 50 trillion single-celled citizens. <laughs> so all my relation has to start with all these 50 trillion, million, trillion yeah. cells. That's where it has to start, is these guys have to talk to each other and make sure that we're in harmony, <laughs> okay, that we're all listening we're singing the same song and that we're listening to each other. And if I have an ouchie, I have to say, what's that ouchie teaching me? <laughs> right? What's what's the lesson to be learned from the ouchie? What's my body trying to tell me? And now what can I do to try and help? It's not just like pop a pill. I'm not against pharmaceuticals, trust me. Right. I've, I've had surgeries, thank you very much. <laughs> <the anesthetic. laughs> okay. So I'm not a, at all. I, responsible pharmaceutical industry would be right. wonderful okay no more releasing fentanyl on the market mm. or oxycodone or something you know without very 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 <laughs> what have you okay so these are individual organisms that have evolved a cooperative strategy for mutual survival Reduced to basic terms, human beings are simply the consequence of collective amoeba consciousness. As a nation reflects the traits of its citizens, our humanness must reflect the basic nature of our cellular communities. Now, come on. That's fascinating, isn't it? It is poetic. Yeah. So, So we've talked about seeing the body as a filtering system. That we hear and arrange, see and arrange, mm-hmm. well and arrange, sense and arrange, okay? And understanding that, how all that works together, you know? So, how everything is in motion, how everything is moving, how even in our body, we have, you know, what is it? It's, is it within six weeks that, it, you know, our, our entire, the, every cell in the lining of our digestive system is replaced. Mm-hmm. Every day our skin is shedding cells. Okay, that's part of the dust in our house. And so we shed hairs, we shed skin cells. This is all the normal birth and death of cellular material. We breathe in, we breathe out. And so these extraordinary organisms, it's like a little solar system unto itself, or a little galaxy unto itself. How do we learn to take care of that? So in, in the coming sessions, Okay, and um, see, we're probably getting close up to where we need to start closing down. Um, we're going to look a little bit more, because nutrition is such a huge subject. And it's got so many opinions in it. I think there's only one, one other field that comes close. The sciences may disagree, but not to the extent that the field of nutrition. So the field of nutrition and maybe psychology 
in 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 kind of science fields have the most different uh, and polarized ideas and opinions as what's good for humans or not. But <clears throat> before we get there, let's talk about body wisdom. Yeah. What's body wisdom? I think it's the my my opinion and my definition and i i don't know exactly but i see body wisdom as that your body kind of keeps the score it tells you <laughs> when there's a problem it tells you if, if you listen to it if you if you have the courage to, to actually listen to what it's telling you it'll act out it'll do things when you're using your words sometimes your body will do things and your words say one thing but your body says a different thing you know so yes 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 <laughs> you know there's entire studies in psychology around around uh, what we're saying and how our bodies are giving yeah. a completely different message. Yes. You know, I love you, darling. Meantime, our bodies saying <laughs> something completely different. Yeah. Of course, I'm on your side. In the meantime, leaning away from them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, body or was in abusive situations too. Sometimes, you know, you'll yeah. see the way parents hold a child. With the mom will always hold a child so close when they're next to the father and stuff. Sometimes, like it can be. Sometimes to see that sort of body wisdom is like, oh, it gives me goosebumps sometimes. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing to, 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 to start to read into. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, you didn't. I'm always delighted. You always have <laughs> great questions and, and valuable insights to add. So body wisdom, the, if we accept a few premises, so let's accept a few premises that the body has a natural inclination for well-being and vitality. Okay, but there's some part of us that has this thirst for wholeness, thirst for wellness. Okay, now wholeness is one thing, wellness. Okay, let's shift on to the wellness part for now. It has that something inside of us that the body naturally wants to breathe and eat and sleep and exercise and move and do all of those things that are healthy for us. Okay, now we, we accept that as a premise. Okay. Then health is the result of the continual effect effort of the body to find balance on all levels. It's always finding balance in sleep, in activity, in rest, in mental stimulation. So if we do too much mental stimulation, then our body's unhappy and mm -hmm. stiff. And if we do too much physical stuff, then our body complains. Go rest. I yeah. use your brain for a while, you know. And so there's this, this balancing act that our body is trying to do with us. But what's its message? Okay. It wants this for us to be in balance, wants us to be in harmony, for it wants us to be moving towards wellness and wholeness. Okay. What gets in the way? What gets in the way? Okay. But if we were just to, that's part of another conversation. If we're just looking at working in harmony with inner wisdom, that inner wisdom is something that we all have, that it's just hardwired into our body, that our body knows what it needs. We know when we're hungry. We know when we're tired and need rest. We know when we need to go to the bathroom. Okay. The simple basic yeah. stuff. Okay, there's little body signals that we get. You know, if we're sitting in an awkward position, our body says, move. <coughs> Excuse me, it doesn't need our watch. <coughs> Sorry. 
right? I have a new Fitbit. If I'm sitting too long, it says move. Talking too long. <coughs> Gonna lose my voice. Okay. If we work in harmony with inner wisdom, inner wisdom on the premise, we all have it. How we disconnect from it. Well, and why we disconnect. That's another conversation, maybe. Mm. <clears throat> we are capable of feeling spiritually awake and physically well, right? Energetically vibrant, emotionally stable and responsive, mentally lucid, creatively purposeful. <clears throat> That's when we're connected with inner wisdom. When we, for whatever reason, disconnect, why do we disconnect from inner wisdom? Because we don't like what inner wisdom is telling us. Have you ever had inner wisdom tell you something and you go, eh, that looks scary? Yeah. So the main reason is fear. <clears throat> that inner wisdom is asking us to do something that brings up fear. Which brings up resistance. Let's say somebody smokes cigarettes. You become addicted on a physical level to the nicotine. No one is going to argue that nicotine isn't physically addictive, right? Okay. But there's an emotional component, psychological component. Let's say the body is giving every indication. The inner wisdom is really working overtime to get through to the person that you need to stop. Why doesn't the person stop? <clears throat> they're afraid yeah, to get rid of that thing that's the psychological component of it. On some level, they're holding on to it. Yeah. They fear the withdrawal. Mm. They fear letting go of that thing that they think gives them something that is some kind of comfort mm. that fills some kind of emptiness inside. <clears throat> so most of us have fears. Yeah. They may be founded in early experiences. They may be based on things we were taught in the home or at school. So these fears and become unconscious belief systems that get in the way of us acting in harmony with our inner wisdom. So again, we come back to awareness. We're aware. Wait a minute. That's the first thing we have to do is we have to stop and take stock. If that's scary, then we reach out for support or help. Just... No one should ever feel uncomfortable or ashamed asking for help if they're scared of something. We all have fears. And we all need to be willing to ask for help. We all need to be, say, to be able to say to ourselves first and then maybe someone else, at least one other person, if not maybe our family or our best friend or our romantic partner. This is scary. I'm scared to do this. I feel like that's my... Best next step. The thing that I have always been trained to teach 
myself <laughs> and my clients and my students and my congregation is what's for the higher good? What is for the higher good? If it's for your higher good, then it will be for the higher good of everybody else. Now, it can be really scary to do what you realize is for the higher good. Uh-oh, for the higher good, for my higher good, you to, let's say, quit smoking or drink less or lose weight or start an exercise program or eat more, <laughs> you know. I look some people are starving themselves. You know, some number on the scales has become the magic number or some, you know, TikTok star told them that's the magic number that your body should be at. You know what? Your body knows what its magic number is. If you listen to your body, your body will tell you, okay, that's the right number for today. <laughs> okay? And there'll be a fluctuation of maybe anywhere from two to five pounds through the seasons and activities. There, there will be a There's no, like, magic number. You have to be absolutely that. Because it doesn't exist. It's like time and everything else. It's something we invented. Yeah. But it doesn't actually exist. Your body knows what your higher good best weight is. It's funny, eh? How yeah. simple it is. Isn't it funny how simple it is and how complicated we make it? We make it so complicated. Yeah, we do. We almost want that. Want it to be complicated. So but a lot, I, I think for me, Sometimes I make it complicated so that I don't have to do it. You know, you, you come up with these excuses. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's too complicated. So right. I can't do that. I have I this and that and excuse <laughs> to not do it. Yep. You know. Back okay. to awareness. <laughs> yeah. Back to back to awareness. Right? Which is the first step of okay, this is scary. Mm -hmm. And what are the consequences of me doing this? And what does it mean that I need to let go of? Or what does it mean what, that I have to embrace? Maybe I need to let go of something and embrace mm -hmm. something. Maybe it's something new. Maybe it's I need to open up something. And a lot of people are scared of the unknown, of stepping out into the unknown yeah. and, and how to face it. And that's why we need support and help and good tools in all the different forms that they take. <clears throat> okay, well, did you have anything you wanted to add or any questions or anything? I think we covered a, a solid amount. I wrote down quite a few notes and I, I think I was able to get some of the, the questions that were really dogging me in there. I'm sure I'll have some more questions after reading through some of the things for our, for our okay. next session. Okay, so I'm gonna sort of Health and wellness and wholeness can be experienced when a person reunites body and soul with the possibility of enjoying to the fullest degree possible life in the body. We are experiencing, we are the soul, the spirit, a consciousness, experiencing physical matter reality through a human body. This lifetime, George, you and I are human. Mm -hmm. We could just as easily be hawks or whales or fleas. <laughs> you know, this lifetime we're human. Now, you know, for whatever everybody else believes, this is the reality. 
you know, and it won't last. You know, there was a time, you know, some decades back where I wasn't human. Mm. Neither were you. And there will be a time in the future where I won't be human anymore. And there will be a time, a moment, when you won't be. In the meantime, how do we experience this for the higher good, for self and for others? And what does that mean about wellness? I want to just close up maybe today with a couple of extra yeah. thoughts. Wellness potential is individual, cannot be compared to the potential of others. For example, somebody likes running. You can't compare yourself to Andre de Grasse, our famous Canadian sprinter, okay? Winning all kinds of medals. Marvelous to watch. Okay, you don't you don't do that, okay? You just don't. He's been given a gift in this lifetime, run fast. All levels of health have cycles, an ebb and a flow, its own rhythm. It is part of the dance of life. There are days when we have less energy, days when we have more. There's days when we are our mood and everything and our energy is up, and there's days when we feel, whew, we need to have a quiet day. And, and this is, there is no constant static. The same way the seasons change, we have a little bit more light than we did since December the 21st. Each day, a few more minutes of light. Sun comes up a minute earlier, it goes down a minute or two later. Everything is changing. Nothing is static. That's something we invented. Okay? We build our cities and our roads and everything. We're all upset when nature interferes with it. There's a storm, there's a tsunami, there's an earthquake. How dare nature do that from below? <laughs> We've got it wrong. The body will provide information regarding its needs and care with inner wisdom. And this inner wisdom will indicate the best direction to take. So, you know, inner wisdom is like, it's like the North Star that we have to set our compass by. If, 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 if we put inner wisdom in that seat of like North Star, I set my compass by you. What you tell me is the direction that I take. That's the direction I'm going to guide myself by. Then life will be different. I'm not going to say it's going to be easier or better because everybody's life is what it is. But your inner contentment of knowing that you are being your best self, doing what's for the higher good for yourself and others, there will be a deep sense of inner contentment and inner peace about that. Interesting. So, if we follow the principles that we've sort of put out as premises today, then that brings us to kind of the next stage of understanding what's possible for, you know, the body and the body knowing and the body teaching us. And, you know, are we done? Are we, do you have another five minutes? Should we call it yeah. a day? Okay, oh, we do. Okay. So yeah. let's, do, let's talk one last piece about okay. the, body. the body knows. Now you've had a massage or a body worker, right? Sure. You've had people work on your body. 
and if somebody's really skilled, they're going to tell you, okay, you need a postural correction or you're sitting too long or you're standing too long or you're doing this exercise that needs an adjustment. Okay, so there'll be a lot of wisdom and, and good guidance you'll get. And then you get these other types who go, hmm, you're holding something energetically here. <laughs> okay. It's like they can feel something, some in deep inner tension that we're holding that is often called body memories hmm. and and there's special types of body work that's in deep process working this was part of our training with dr stan Groff, in which understanding that our body can hold certain um memories and events in a certain way it could be a tension in our shoulder it could be uh, a way we hold we clench our fists we grind our teeth we you know we, I don't know how women do it, but you know they kind of twist their legs together. So right. <laughs> they're so they're so tightly wound. It's mm -hmm. amazing they really get any blood at all. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and so you know we can look at this. Okay, well the body's saying something here. The body's manifesting something. It's being held deep, often in the core of the body. And so. What I'm going to do is I'm going to quote somebody else. It's Candace Pert, Doctor Candace Pert. She's a, a pharmacologist, and she um, she served uh, her brain biochemistry at the clinical neuroscience branch of the National Institute of Mental Health. So no slouch, okay? <laughs> but the woman's got the smarts. Okay, her her work is very interesting. For those of you who are interested in that then, you know, please do follow that. And certainly there's more neuroscientists who are speaking to things like this. So she says she, her theories fit well with the concepts of primary perception and morphogenetic fields. That's the work of, uh, that I quote earlier in, in, mm -hmm. in the book, the work of Rupert Sheldrake. Right. Okay, talking about morphogenetic fields, that everything that has a physical manifestation, whether it's trees or elephants or something, but somewhere there's the architectural plans for that, okay? And, and these morphogenic fields, okay, this is very well known in biology. It's more than 100 years old, but somehow it can't make it mainstream. I'm not sure why, and if Rupert Sheldrake can't do yeah. it, who else can, right? And, and so she's building on these thoughts, saying the mind then is that which holds the network together, often acting below our consciousness. Now, when she says mind, she doesn't mean our small mind, okay? She's speaking about the larger mind. <clears throat> acting below our consciousness, linking and coordinating the major systems, their organs and cells in an intelligently orchestrated symphony of life. Thus, we might refer to the whole system as a psychosomatic information network. Isn't that good? Yeah. A psychosomatic. Now, psychosomatic means soma is the body. It's like it's the soul, spirit, mind. And she's saying they meet. We understand that. And that there is a, a, a sharing of information that happens below our consciousness mm -hmm. level. That the body and the mind talking to each other below our everyday thinking, our regular, what a Sagioli would call our middle consciousness. Okay. 
that which is available pretty instantly. And we're working in it, you know, that small circle in the middle of the egg-shaped diagram of this. Right? <clears throat> so it's linking the psyche, which comprises all of that kind of non-material nature, mind, emotion, soul, to soma, to the body, which is the material world of molecules, cells, and organs, mind and body, psyche and soma. And so what she's talking about as a neuroscientist is this conversation. We're back to all my relations. Okay, this conversation happens between our unconscious mind and our body that's in conversation all the time. So if we, our conscious mind or something that's in our unconscious reverts against inner wisdom, then what we start doing is we start actually blocking out or deadening parts of our body. Because we're not listening anymore. We kind of disassociate, we dissociate from parts of ourselves. And then our body will reflect that. It's not possible to disown part of yourself and all your feelings and not have the body reflect it. That's what she's trying to say. Mm. Makes sense. So whenever we refuse to acknowledge something, then the body's going to reflect that through tension and malaise. Or so if I'm scared and I refuse to address it, what happens in my body? Maybe somebody will get headaches. Somebody will get right. tension. They right. get stomach digestive problems. Right? No, I'm not saying that people get headaches. The only reason is they're. I'm not saying that. So. I don't want anyone to take this away that everything, and, and you know, people make a mistake about um, psychosomatic understanding it. It does, it's that's it's very different from psychogenetic, mm. you know, the source of disease, sort of the genesis of anything in the body is psyche. So there's understanding that they work together and whatever influences one influences the other. So what's happening in our body can affect our soul. What's happening in our soul can affect our body. Because the body knows. The yeah. body knows. I, 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 I want to close on this. On this. Okay. And then we're, you know, pick it up next time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I share a dream. In, in I share a few dreams that I have. But I share one dream in which... Um, I had, you know, I had been arguing with inner wisdom, I guess, that had been telling me that my former marriage, that I had two children with, um, <clears throat> that that was coming to a close, that I, I had to follow something that was inside me, that was calling me, that I didn't understand, that anything, that I had a family and I had two children, and a lifestyle, and that whole thing that especially women con themselves into maintaining. I'm not saying men don't, but right. see more women either more women are doing it or more women talk about doing it right and so i had this dream and in the dream i've killed myself and i'm holding myself in my arms like this and i'm in my house and i go down lower level it's so young and i go down mm -hmm. the next level i go down a other level and it feels like i go down high you know like the empire state building yeah. levels so finally i come down to kind of an earth and you know, bottom the earth and a chamber in which all there is earth. And I'm standing there, 
my feet on the earth, holding my dead self. And I say, I could bury myself here and no one would know. And my little inner voice says, yes, but you would know. So I woke up from that dream and I went, okay, I get it. Mm. I'm killing myself by not listening to any wisdom. I am killing myself by burying what I know is terrifying, but I need to do. So the body knows, the body knows. Wow. That's, there's a lot in there. That, that's a powerful dream. Thank you for sharing that with us. I, I, on some level, I, I'm hopeful that people can find the courage to interpret what a really powerful feeling like that could mean for them. Yes. It, we're right back to the first premise. Do, mm -hmm. I try, do I believe that I have inner wisdom? We have to believe we have it, first of all. Yeah. Then we have to be willing to sit and listen for it. And if we haven't, if we've been ignoring it, and not listening to it and burying it for a long time, we may need help with that. We may need some help to help us find our way back to center. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as we find our way back to center, then we can learn how to go forward, how to trust that and go forward. So the body knows. Yeah. So first thing about the circle of wholeness is our connection with nature, understanding how deeply connected our soul and especially our body. But we are star stuff. Our body's made from the same material that the stars are. And that's extraordinary. And that whatever influences the environment influences us. And that we can do our small part by taking care of our bodies. And by so doing, by take, starting to take better care of the earth. And yeah. teaching our children and our families by being good role models, by making healthy choices. Yeah, it's well said. Well said, Dr. Dr. Rochester. Would you be so kind as to tell the people where they can find you, what you have coming up, and what you're excited about before I let you go today? <clears throat> well, <laughs> I'm excited to be home. I was just away on, on a little small holiday that was just wonderful just to get away from the cold dark winter and have some sun and the ocean and um, that good stuff. Um, let's see, what have I got coming up? A couple of summons, uh, summits, and uh, um, I'm an advisor to um, a number of programs, at, um, one at University of Ottawa and the other at Vancouver Island University. I, I keep trying to give a shout out to those two universities because they have graduate level psychedelic studies programs. And it's a privilege for me to a guest lecture and be an advisor to those programs. And so I really want people to know that those programs are there, that, um, you know, what they would be learning is university quality and, and um, you know, and, and being taught by incredible, wonderful people who've worked really, really hard to bring those forward. And so um, do I have anything? I'm not sure if I have anything public coming up, but if I do, um, connect with me, anybody who isn't, who wants to connect with me on LinkedIn. My website is www.revdrjessicarochesterallowercase.com. And on my website, you will have access to 
all kinds of wonderful videos, many of which I've done with my dear friend George here. And yes, and, um, uh, so there's videos, there's audios, um, there's things you can do, all of everything pretty much, with the exception of my books, you can buy them on Amazon or through the publisher. Um, but I also have a number of articles and uh, other publications in PDF form. And all of it is free for educational purposes. And that's part of my mission is to help people, to help educate, to bring all of this information out there. So hopefully it'll plant good seeds and people can take it and make it theirs and bring it forward. Definitely. I, I know that I, I'm always looking forward to our conversations and it's such a wealth of knowledge. And I, I want everyone to go there. If, you, if, you're, if you're watching, here's kind of what the book looks like. You should go on Amazon and check it out. It's a book that you can return to. Oops, you can return to on any time of day or no matter where you're at. You can probably find something that'll speak to you. I know that I have. And check out the new site. She has a brand new website and it's really easy to navigate and it's full of really useful information. It's just a wealth of knowledge. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I hope you have a beautiful day. And that's all we got. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that... I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.